Good morning. If you find your seats, you find your seats. If you are sitting down, if you would turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And I'd like to do uh, something a little bit different this morning. Uh, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Again, Exodus 20, starting in verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. They stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off. While Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, Lord, we come once again humbly, Lord, this morning as we approach this text, Lord, as we've gone through the Ten Commandments and we remember the context of what is going on that you came down and spoke from the cloud on the mountain, Lord, from the fire to the people of Israel, Lord. That this was a terrifying event, Lord. That the people rightly feared and trembled, Lord, and turned to Moses to speak for you. God, I pray this morning as we look at this text, God, that we understand more clearly our relationship with you that we understand more clearly your holiness, Lord, and our unworthiness. And through that, Lord, I pray that we understand your grace and love more in-depthly, Lord. Be with us this morning in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we made it through the Ten Commandments all summer. We've been taking one commandment at a time, but we have not made it out of chapter 20 yet. We are on the other side of the Ten Commandments, but if you would, look at verse 18 again. In chapter 20, verse 18, says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. Now this is the context of the Ten Commandments. We have lightning, thunder, the sound of trumpet, the mountain, Mount Sinai, on fire, and God speaking from his own voice from the fire. We also have fear and trembling. Now, I think most people, when they read through Scripture and they get to this portion of Scripture, or as we reflect back on the Old Testament and think about this portion of Scripture in Exodus, all they think of or all they see or all they read as they read through the Old Testament is a scary, terrifying God on Mount Sinai. And for a lot of people, it's a God that doesn't seem to line up with the God of the New Testament that's full of grace and love. But one of the things I think I've learned the most after studying 
the book of Exodus for these last two years, is that God is consistently loving and gracious and even terrifying throughout both the Old and New Testament. And this includes our passage this morning. We see God's love and grace and terror. Even though God is terrifying, as we will see today, it's the terror of God that drives us to the grace of God. It's the terror of God that drives us to the grace of God. In our passage, we're going to see this morning that the terror of God drove Israel, God's people, drove Israel to the mediator of God, to Moses, who points us, the Son of God, where there is grace. So I have three points this morning as we go through this passage. The three points are this, are these, the terror of God, the mediator of God, and the Son of God. So let's start with the terror of God. Again, verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking and the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. In verse 18, Moses is reminding us the context of Mount Sinai, the context of the Ten Commandments. God is speaking to Israel from his own thunderous voice, from the fire of the mountain. And since it was important for Moses to remind us of the context, I thought it would be important this morning to get us back into the flow of the story of Exodus. We've been in the the Ten Commandments for so long that I want to get us back into the flow of the narrative of the book of Exodus. Remember, God saved Israel, this people, from slavery, from the Egyptians, by ten awesome displays of power. Yahweh's power put on display in front of the Egyptians and the Israelites. And he saved them from the Egyptians. And on their way out of Egypt, God parted the Red Sea, allowing Israel, God's people, to cross on dry ground, while at the same time crushing the Egyptian army. Crushing them with the waters of the Red Sea. Israel, in other words, was saved in a miraculous way. And I think for most people, this is where the knowledge of the story of the Exodus really stops. Most people, this is as far as they can get when explaining what is going on in the book of Exodus. Everything else is kind of a blur. But I want to tell you that that's only chapter 15. Chapters 1 through 15 of a book that's 40 chapters long. Meaning, that's not even halfway through the book of Exodus. And because most people stop their understanding in chapter 15, I think most people miss the main thesis, the main story of the Exodus, the book of Exodus. The story continues far beyond Egypt. In fact, it continues far beyond the Red Sea crossing. From the end of chapter 15 through the Chapter 14, Israel, after crossing through the Red Sea, is in the wilderness, and God is providing for them. And really, he's providing for them as as a loving father, as we see through chapters 1 through 15, 16, and 17. We see a God that, that is acting like a loving father to the nation. In fact, he calls Israel his firstborn son. He's loving them as a father would love a child. He gives them water when they were thirsty. He gives them food when they were hungry. He protects them from their enemies, even though they were complaining and grumbling the whole time in the wilderness. 
God shows Israel and Moses that he's a God that can be trusted. He is good. He's gracious. That he came to save them and redeem them as a people, as a chosen nation. In fact, this is the context of chapter 19 of Mount Sinai. Salvation comes before the law was ever given. God's grace was given to Israel before he ever gave them the law. That's not till chapter 20. Again, this is the context of chapter 19 and 20. This is the context of Mount Sinai. God is about to make a covenant with the people of Israel. He's going to make the, the Mosaic covenant or what we know as the Old Covenant. So if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. We would follow along with me, starting in verse 1, chapter 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped, or they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. So just picture this. We have this mountain, Israel, camping outside of this mountain, uh, more than a million people. Verse 3, while Moses went up the mountain, went up to God, the, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God is reminding the Israelites of chapters 1 through 15, and really chapters 1 through 17, where God saved Israel, redeemed Israel, took care of Israel, loved Israel. Verse 5, now, right, now therefore, this is super important, the grace of God came before the law was given to Israel. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possessions among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Again, God is entering into a relationship, a covenant with the people of Israel. Verse 7, so Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him, and all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Now listen to this, this is extremely important. Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. God is going to come down in a thick cloud on the mountain that the people may hear when I speak. In other words, God is going to speak from his own voice from this cloud on the mountain with you. And then listen to this. And may also believe you. He's talking to Moses. May also believe you, Moses, forever. Now, that's an interesting line. I, I would think God would say, and also believe me forever. But it's not what he says. He says, and also believe you. The people will believe you, Moses, forever. 
this is the context of Exodus chapter 20, our passage this morning. Three days later, after people prepared themselves for God's presence, right, God came, and I, I want to be clear on this, it was terrifying. Look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. It says this in verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Now, the Hebrew word that's used there, translated trembled, is also used throughout the Old Testament. It's translated differently. It's translated panic. It's translated frightened, afraid, terrified. Gives you kind of the connotation of what that word means. Verse 17. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. The whole mountain trembled greatly. Now, I want to be clear, and I've talked about this before. We preached through this portion, uh, chapter 19. This was a supernatural event. This wasn't some kind of natural event. It was a supernatural event. But look how, look how Moses describes it. He describes it as a thunderstorm. Lightning, thunder, clouds. He describes it as a, a massive forest fire. The whole top of the mountain, we, we understand this in California, right? The whole top of the mountain was on fire, surrounded by smoke. He describes it as a volcanic eruption. Right? The Lord had descended on it in fire, and the smoke went up like the smoke in a kiln, like a volcano. He even describes it as a, a massive earthquake. Right? The whole mountain trembled greatly. Now, I asked this question before, and I, I don't know. Is, is Moses given a clear description of what that looked like that day, a clear understanding of, of the experience he was going through? Or is he just doing his best to explain something that is completely indescribable. Using awesome naturalistic events, the most awesome ones he could think of to describe what was happening in front of him, something indescribable. I don't know. It could be just a real clear explanation of what was happening. But what I do know for sure is this. This was an awesome, terrifying supernatural event. And that's the point. That's the main point. Listen, Moses is describing a terrifying event, and I want you to hear how he describes God's voice. Verse 19. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered in thunder. This the context of Exodus 20. This is the context. This is what's happening as God spoke the Ten Commandments from his own thunderous voice. And it was terrifying. It was terrifying. This is what Moses wants us to remember. This is what Moses is pointing us back to in Exodus 20, verse 18. The context of the Ten Commandments. So turn back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. 
This is after God has given the Ten Commandments from his own voice. Verse 18, again, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. Here's the point. Yahweh is a terrifying God. Yahweh is a terrifying God because Yahweh is a dangerous God. It's dangerous to be in the presence of a holy God. It's dangerous for sinners just to hear the voice of God. Did you hear that? It's dangerous. Why don't you think about this? Before God revealed himself on the mountain to the Israelites, what did he have Moses do? He had him do a couple of things, but one of the things he did that had Moses do was put boundaries around the mountain. Well, why did he put boundaries around the mountain? So the people wouldn't come too close as God descended on the mountain. So that the people wouldn't draw near and die. Now think about this. After God revealed himself, those boundaries weren't needed anymore. Because Israel wouldn't dare draw near to God. After hearing his voice at Mount Sinai, they understood just how terrifying and dangerous God was. Look at verse 19, or verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunders and the light, flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and what? And they stood far off. And before God appeared to them and spoke to them, they didn't understand. Afterwards, they understood. Mount Sinai really taught Israel two truths. It taught Israel more than two truths, but at least two truths. The first one is this. There is a separation between God and man. There is a separation between God and man because God is holy and man is sinful. Therefore, there's a separation, a gap between a holy God and a sinful people. A separation that really goes all the way back to the garden, the very first sin, Genesis 3. And after God revealed himself to Israel, they had a clear understanding that there was a separation. The people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. Which leads to a second truth that they learned that day. If Israel was going to have a relationship with God, with Yahweh, and we'll see in Exodus that that's what they desired. They wanted to have a relationship with this awesome God, and that was a good desire. Right? It's the only place that we will find fulfillment is a relationship with this awesome God. They, they wanted to have a relationship with this awesome God, but if they were going to have a relationship with this God, Yahweh, they needed someone to bridge the gap. They needed a mediator. They needed Moses. So the first point this morning is the terror of God. The terror of God drove Israel to the mediator of God. It's the second point this morning, the mediator of God. Once again, verse 18, it says this, Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoke, and the people were afraid and trembled and stood far off, 
and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Now, verse 19 is an interesting verse, and it's somewhat debated. I've been studying this, and I've seen different opinions on what's going on here. There's a few different interpretations, which I'm not exactly sure why, because it seems like Scripture is pretty clear on why Israel asked Moses to speak for God. Let me show you what I mean. If you would, turn to Deuteronomy 4. We'll be back in Exodus 20, but turn to Deuteronomy 4, verse 32. Deuteronomy 4, verse 32. Now, as you're turning there, I want to just explain a hermeneutical principle that that we're going to be using today. That word hermeneutical, hermeneutics, is the, the science and art of interpreting Scripture. It's a fancy word, but it just means how we are to interpret Scripture. And there's a hermeneutical principle that goes back for 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 ages, and it's one of the most important ones, and it's this. We are to interpret Scripture always using Scripture to interpret Scripture. You with me on that? When you come to a passage that's somewhat unclear, we should always go to the more clear passages and interpret the unclear passages. In fact, we get in a lot of trouble when we go the other way. Almost every cult will take unclear passages and use those passages to interpret all of Scripture. We need to take the clear passages to interpret the, the more unclear passages. And that's what I'm going to be doing and modeling right now. We have this passage of the Israelites asking Moses to speak for them. And I want you to think about that. God, by his grace, is speaking to the Israelites from his own voice. And the Israelites say to God, stop speaking. I want to, we'll listen to Moses. Speak to him. Now, was that a good request? Let's see what scripture says about it. Start in Exodus 4, verse 32. It says, actually look at verse 33. It says this. Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 4, verse 33. You guys are there. Deuteronomy 4, verse 33. It says this. Did any people ever hear the voice of God, of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you heard and still live? Now, the implication here is that you heard God's very own voice and lived. And that's amazing. It's amazing that you live. Turn now one more chapter over to Deuteronomy 5, verse 23. And this is Moses speaking to the Israelites. Written down. Verse 23 says, And as soon as you heard the voice Out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me. Again, this is Moses speaking. In other words, this experience with God at Mount Sinai drove Israel, drove the people of God to Moses. You came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness And we have heard his voice out in the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still live. Hear that? Now listen to verse 25. Now therefore, why should we die? I like that question. You ask Moses, right? Why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. We hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore. 
we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and and has still lived? Again, here's my question, and that it's taking me to these passages. Is this a reasonable thought? Going to Moses, asking God to stop speaking directly to them so that they won't die. Well, turn to Deuteronomy 18, 16 now, because this is where we get the answer. Deuteronomy 18, 16. says this in verse 16. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, on the day of the assembly, this is Exodus 19 and 20, on that day when you said, let us not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. Now listen to what God says, verse 17. And the Lord said to me, They are right. They are right in what they have spoken. In other words, they are right in asking Moses to speak for God. Because it was dangerous to hear from God's own voice. Mount Sinai was a clear revelation that there is a gap There is a gap between a holy God and a sinful people. And that if we're going to have a relationship with God, if man is going to have a relationship with God, we need someone to bridge that gap. We need a mediator. We need a a go-between between God and man. Listen to what Philip Ryken writes. He says this. This means that The Israelites were right to ask for a mediator. They needed one. A mediator is someone who stands in the gap to bring two parties together. And this is what the Israelites needed. Someone to stand between heaven and earth. To bridge the gap between God's deity and their humanity. They needed someone to represent them before God and to represent God before them. They needed someone to be God's spokesman because they could not bear the sound of God's own voice. And even if they didn't realize it, what they needed most of all was someone to protect them from God. From God's curse against their sin, the penalty of his law. Did you hear that? Reichen is saying that Israel needed someone to protect Israel from God himself. Because God is holy, and they are sinners. Therefore, this is so important. By God's grace. And so, people have such a hard time seeing God's grace in the Old Testament sometimes. Listen, by God's grace, he provided a mediator. By God's love and grace and a desire to have a relationship with his people, he provided a go-between. 
And this wasn't God's plan B. I want to be clear on this. God didn't hear the Israelites' response and, 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 and request and, and say, you know what, I think, I think that's a good idea. Let me uh, change my plans here. And uh, All right, Moses, you speak for me from here on out. No. Turn back to Exodus 19, verse 9. Exodus 19, verse 9. Again, this is before the Ten Commandments, before God spoke to Israel from his own thunderous voice. Before Israel asked Moses to be the mediator, to to speak for God. This is before all of that. Look at verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that... In other words, here's why I'm coming, Moses, that the people may hear when I speak. They'll hear my voice when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. I am coming that the people, Israel, will hear when I speak with you and may also believe you, Moses, forever. I'm coming, in other words, in, in, in a glorious and terrifying way with thunder, lightning, and cloud, smoke, and an earthquake so that Israel will realize that they need you to be their mediator. Before God came on the mountain, there needed to be boundaries because Israel's, Israelites were arrogant enough to think they could draw near to God. God revealed himself in a way that drove them to Moses. Drove them to a mediator. God says, I'm coming so that the Israelites will listen to you, Moses, and believe you forever. Because you'll speak for me. Listen, that's exactly what happened at Mount Sinai. It's exactly what happened at Mount Sinai. Israel learned their need for a mediator. Once again, Exodus 20, verse 18 says this. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Exodus 20 was a revelation Right? A revelation of Israel's need for a mediator. And Moses was that man. One theologian put it this way. Israel learned that the majesty of God is such that man cannot approach him directly without a mediator. Man's only way to God is through a mediator. And that's true to this day. It's true to this day. Now, here's the good news for Israel. By God's grace, I want you to hear that. By God's grace, he provided a mediator. In fact, he prepared this mediator from birth. He saved this mediator's life, Moses. He made sure he was raised a certain way. He even took him out into the wilderness to spend 40 years shepherding sheep. What do you think that was preparing him for? 40 years of shepherding Israel. 
God knew Israel needed a mediator, and by his grace, he provided a mediator, Moses. But I want you to hear this. God's mediator came with a message. And it was a message of grace. It was a message of comfort. It was a message of peace. Listen to the message of the mediator. Exodus 20, verse 20. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Think about this. The terror of God drove Israel to Moses. The terror of God drove Israel to Moses as their mediator. And the first words that came out of the mediator's mouth, the first three words are this. Do not fear. That's good news. That's good news. Israel heard the voice of God and it was terrifying. But Moses says to them, do not fear. Because God's purpose is not to destroy you, Israel. In fact, he has come to save you. He has come to redeem you. To enter into a relationship with you, a covenant with you. He's come to sanctify you, to make you holy. He's come to grow you in holiness. Therefore, do not fear. Again, verse 20. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Now, this verse sounds like it's contradicting itself. Moses is saying, right, do not fear, but then it seems like he's saying at the same time, fear. Right? Do not fear God, but fear God. Right? How does that go together? Uh, well, it's obvious to me, and I think this is clear throughout Scripture, that Moses is talking about two different types of fear. Two different types of fear. Again, I can show you passage after passage where there's two different types of fear. One, an inappropriate fear for God's people to have. One, an appropriate fear for God's people to have. The first type of fear, an inappropriate fear for God's people to have, is a fear of judgment. That God has come to judge and destroy them. I'm sure, just think about this position that the Israelites were in. They saw the power of God with Egypt, right, and have him come and completely destroy Egypt in so many ways. Then they get to Mount Sinai. God comes on Mount Sinai. In a lot of their minds, they were fearful that, did God come to destroy us? And Moses comforted him by saying, do not fear. Do not fear, for God has come to test you, not destroy you. He's come to test you. But there's another type of fear talked about in this verse. It's a godly fear. It's a healthy fear. It's an appropriate fear that we should have with God, right? As his people, God's people should have this type of fear. It's a fear that is found in both the Old and New Testament. 
And I think this fear is best understood as a fatherly fear. And remember, God has revealed himself probably more than anything else in his relationship to his people as father. In the book of Exodus, we see this so clearly over and over again. God acts as a father of a, of a son, Israel. Fatherly fear. Now let me ask a question. How many of you have had a healthy, and that word healthy is super important, a healthy fear of your father growing up? I was uh, blessed to have a godly father who was and is both godly and loving, yet at the same time, terrifying. (laughs) He was supposed to be on vacation today, so I don't even want to look over where he's sitting right now. I thought I was going to be able to talk about him with him not being here, but I'm just going to talk to you guys. Dad was LAPD for 25 years. A lot of you know him, big, strong, still to this day. Man of few words, although he's starting to speak more as he's getting older. But when he spoke, when I grew up, I listened. Growing up, I loved my dad. I still do. I know. Growing up, I knew for sure that he loved me. I knew I could go to him if I was in need. He's always been there for me, and he has proven to continuously be there for me when I need him. I knew he would never reject me. I knew he loved me unconditionally because I tested that often. That I was his son no matter what. And yet, there was still a part of me that feared him. You know, it's funny, as I've had kids, I, I see this in my own kids, right? If I, if I say something sternly, I kind of sit up and look. There's something that dads have, even that moms just don't have, right? That, you know what? This is a healthy fear. That fear of my dad really kept me out of a lot of trouble in, in elementary school, and especially in high school. It wasn't until I I really moved away and got some distance away from my dad that I found myself getting into a lot of trouble, and that wasn't by accident. It kept me from trouble. And at the same time, it was that fear that that drove me to my dad when I was scared of something else. This is fatherly fear, and this is the type of fear we are to have of God. God. Now, there's so much I could say about the fear of God. In fact, I've done a couple sermons on the fear of God, and there's so much more to that. But, but I don't want to miss the main point of what Moses is saying here in this passage. As God's mediator, his first words to Israel after seeing God's terrifying glory and, and holiness is this. Do not fear. For God has come to test you. In other words, not destroy you, not to judge you. He's come to test you. That the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. That you would grow in holiness. He has come to grow you, not destroy you, Israel. Do not fear. This is the message of Moses. Just think about this. 
God came to the mountain in a cloud. To the top of the mountain in a cloud. The Israelites were terrified as God spoke from this cloud. And that terror drove them to Moses as a mediator. And the first words that come out of Moses' mouth are, Do not fear. Do you see the grace of God in all this? In fact, the terror on the mountain's grace, because it's what drove them to the mediator. Again, this is good news. It's good news that God's people, again, God's people, because the Egyptians had things to fear of God. They had fear of judgment. God's people, it's good news that God's people don't have to fear the judgment of God. I mean, think about it. We went through the Ten Commandments, each one of them this Sunday, or this uh, summer, and we learned, at least I learned as I've studied the Ten Commandments this whole summer, that I fall completely short of the standard. God's perfect standard. In fact, every Sunday, I made sure to point us to grace because that's what it does. It shows us, it exposes our sin, and it makes us realize that we need God's grace because we fall short of keeping the Ten Commandments. God, God comes to the Israelites and gives them the Ten Commandments, which, which drives them to Moses. And, and the very first words Moses speaks as God's mediator is, do not fear. There's grace. Which brings me to my last point this morning. The terror of God drove Israel to the mediator of God, which is Moses, who points us to the Son of God. The last point this morning is the Son of God. Now, last week, Daniel did a great job at showing us that Moses is a type of Christ. That word type is a theological word, and it's really a simple concept. Type, type means just that Moses' life and calling points forward to Jesus. And Daniel did a great job at showing us the connection between Moses and Jesus. Moses was a prophet, God's prophet. Moses was God's mediator. But more than that, Moses' life and calling points us, and it pointed Israel forward to a greater prophet, a greater mediator. Now, I want to piggyback off Daniel's sermon, uh, because I think it's really clear in our passage, this connection between Moses and and, and Jesus. So if you would look at Exodus 19.9 again. Exodus 19.9. Verse 9 says this. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud. A thick cloud's going to be coming down on the mountain, on the top of the mountain, a thick cloud, and the people may that the people may hear when I speak. In other words, this cloud's going to come and a voice is going to come out of the cloud, God's very own voice with you, and may also believe you, Moses, forever. Right? I'm going to do all of this, Moses, so that the people will listen to you. Now turn to Matthew 17, verse 5. As you're turning there, this is the mount important mount of transfiguration this is a mountain jesus and three disciples are 
with him on the top of this mountain, the very top of this mountain. And Moses, or, uh, Moses I said this first service too. Daniel, not Moses. Daniel did a great job at connecting Mount Sinai, right? Because Moses was there. That's one connection. And it uses the word Exodus, even though it does not come across in English, right? It uses the word Exodus in that passage, meaning Mount Sinai and the Mount of Transfigurations are connected. Look at verse 5. When he was still speaking, when, behold, what? A bright cloud. A bright cloud overshadowed them. In other words, came down on the top of this mountain. What, what came from the cloud? And a voice from the cloud said, and God is speaking from this, this cloud, this is my beloved son, whom I, who I am well pleased. Listen to him. Do you see the connection? Moses' life points us forward to Jesus. It pointed the Israelites forward to Jesus. Because Jesus is the truer and better Moses. In fact, more importantly, Jesus is the true and better mediator between God and man. I mean, just think about Jesus. He's God and man. Who could be a better mediator than someone that is both God and man 100%? And here's the good news. Jesus came with the same exact message as Moses. Remember Moses' message, okay? Mount Sinai. God comes down in the cloud, speaks from the cloud, and it was terrifying. The Israelites were terrified after hearing the voice of God. And what does Moses say? Exodus 20, verse 20, Moses said to the people three words, right? Do not fear. Well, look at Matthew 17, verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice, this is God's voice, right? From the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell on their face and were terrified. Listen, the Old and New Testament are the same. <laughs> the disciples were terrified when they heard God's voice. Verse 7, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. same exact message as Moses. Moses' life and message points forward to Jesus. And this shouldn't surprise us. It's exactly what Moses predicted in Deuteronomy 18.15. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read it. This is what Daniel preached on last week. 18.15 says this, the Lord, the Lord your God will rise up for you, a prophet like me. This is Moses speaking. He says, one day there'll be a prophet like me that God will raise, raise up from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Moses is saying, hey, when this prophet comes, listen to him. It's the same thing God said from, from the cloud on the mountain. Listen to my son. Just as this is verse 16. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, on the day of the assembly, that's, that's our passage, Exodus 19, and especially Exodus 20, when you said, let me not hear again the voice 
of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. The Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. In other words, they're right. They will die if they keep hearing my voice. And listen to what God tells Moses in verse 18. And I will rise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them all that I command him. Listen, just as God spoke to the Israelites through Moses, God speaks to us through his son. In fact, this is what Hebrews 1, 1 says, Long ago, and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. It's the Old Testament. This is what we have here, the Old Testament. God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, Moses being the greatest prophet, the greatest mediator in the Old Testament. But in these last days in the New Testament, he has spoken to us by his son. Just a side note. I hear a lot of people say, God spoke to me. Or, I heard the voice of God. I hear a lot of people kind of use those phrases and have told me that as a Christian. You know what I'm always tempted to say, and I don't say it because it's sarcastically. I'm always tempted to say, and you lived? God doesn't speak to us directly, audibly, from his own voice. We couldn't survive it. The Bible is clear. He speaks to us through a mediator. He speaks to us through his son and his son's message that has been written in the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament. God's words are here. Again, Hebrews 1.1, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, the New Testament. So here's my question. This is where we'll kind of end today. What did his son say? What is Jesus' message? What is the son's message? What is this mediator's message? Again, it's the same message as Moses. Do not fear. Do not fear. It's what he said on the Mount of Transfiguration. He told the disciples, rise and have no fear. It's what he told his disciples in Luke 12, verse 32. He says this, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Did you hear that? He's speaking for the Father. He's speaking for God. And he tells his people, his flock, fear not. For it's his good pleasure, it's Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In Mark 5.36, Jesus told the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. In John 6.20, as Jesus was walking on water, Right? in a storm, and the disciples are terrified by this storm, and they're probably terrified seeing Jesus walking on water towards them in the storm. He says, Ego me, I am, 
Do not be afraid. After the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 10, he told his disciples, Do not be afraid. In Revelation 17, one of my favorite passages. Revelation 1, verse 17, after John sees this vision of Jesus, let me just explain John, the disciple of Jesus that became the apostle of Jesus. In fact, he's the disciple in the scripture that says the disciple that Jesus loved, one of Jesus' closest friends, the inner three. John, at the end of his life, after spending a whole life dedicated to Jesus as his disciple, sharing the good news, proclaiming the glory of God and Jesus, who was persecuted over and over again for this message for Jesus. In fact, he's on an island at the end of his life in jail after going through all types of horrible persecution for Jesus. He sees this vision of Jesus, and what does he do? Does he run up and give Jesus a hug? falls on his face in terror. Falls on his face in terror as though dead. What does Jesus do? Jesus reaches out with his right hand and touches John and says, Fear not. Fear not. Over and over and over again, Jesus tells his followers do not fear. And that's good news. It's good news because for those who have trusted in Jesus, I want to be clear, it's only for those who have trusted in Jesus. For those who are, are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, the mediator, there's no need to fear the terrifying wrath of God. And here's why. Because Jesus has satisfied God's wrath on the cross. And that's good news. And this is what Moses' life pointed to. This is the grace of God, right? Pointing Israel forward to his son that would come one day, a, a prophet greater than Moses, who not only would be the mediator, but also the sacrifice to take away the sins of God's people. This is what Exodus twenty eighteen verse 19 points us to. Our passage in Exodus this morning teaches us one main lesson. For man to have a relationship with God, for us to have a relationship with a holy God, we need a mediator. Someone who could bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful people. And the good news is this. God has provided one. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, our Father. God, we praise you and glorify you for your grace. 
we praise you and glorify you for the grace that we see in the book of Exodus. Not, not, not only did you, did you make a covenant with, with Abraham to, to have his offspring become a, 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 a nation, a mighty nation in number. Not only did you save this nation from, from slavery, from Egypt, not only did you raise up a deliverer and a mediator in, in Moses, but at Mount Sinai we see by your grace you exposed your holiness and, and, and glory in a terrifying way. And by your grace that terror drove Israel to their only hope, a mediator. It's by your grace that that mediator, Moses, points us forward to the true mediator, Jesus. God, I pray for anyone that's listening right now, Lord, in this room or online that hasn't put their faith in that one mediator, in that true mediator, Jesus, that they would understand that he is the only way to you. That he himself said that no one comes to the Father except through me, Lord. I pray that right now that they would trust in him, knowing he came, both God and man, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins. You made it very clear that he is the mediator as you brought him up, raised him up, and brought him to, to heaven to sit at your right hand, that whoever would believe in him would be saved. Lord, I pray that you would awaken souls this morning. In your son's name, amen.